Oh, why don't we put our hands together for Lyndon and the worship team. <laughs> How is everyone? Well? Well. Um, before we start, I wanted, to, wanted us to watch a quick video. I want to put us into a, a, a particular frame of mind. The beauty about Good Friday is exactly that. The, wor- the first word that comes before it is good. Yeah. Just hold it for a minute. Just hold it. Uh, in Jesus' name. No, it didn't work. Oh, yeah, it did. All right, cool. I felt like Daryl Summers. Do you remember he used to do that? Didn't, no? Oh, you can't talk about Daryl. Okay. Anyway. Hey, hey, it's Saturday. I'm showing my age. So anyway, I, I love Good Friday because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, yeah? And I, I, I lean towards, and I prefer the way that we talk about it here in our church. See, for me, the whole idea of the cross wasn't about dealing with sin. It was about bringing us back into a right relationship with him. And in doing that, yeah, he had to take care of sin. It's almost... Let's get, I oh know, Nate, can I have you up here? Because I know you don't want to be. And, and boys, come, come. All right, now, um, you're big, you can be sin. All right. Wait, wait. You come over this way. You can be, you can be, no. No, I'm thinking, I'm making this up on the go. You've got to give me some space here. It can be, who, who do we admire? Anyone? Peter. Peter. And, um, no, actually, wait, wait. You're God. You can be God. You can be Peter. All right, now, the whole idea of the cross is this. God is looking at Peter, right? Says, I want a relationship with Peter. I want a relationship with Peter. So what he does, he first decides he wants a relationship. He doesn't first decide, come over here, God, for a minute, that he wants to bash up sin. Yeah, he, he doesn't decide that first. He decides that he wants a relationship. Shake hands. Hug. Because, right? Yeah, that's what it's like with God, right? So he decides that he wants a relationship with Peter. So what he does, he moves towards Peter. Along the way, he king hits sin. Sin falls to the ground, crushed and defeated. And then he has this beautiful relationship with the person that he's after, yeah? For me, most of Christendom has put this first. That was never first. This was always first. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. If, if you can stay there like that for the whole thing, you can stay there, but I, I actually don't think you can. <laughs> so for us as Christians, it's, it's a mournful day, but it's a day of celebration. So can we just quickly watch this video?
Come on. That's awesome. So thanks for coming to church today. <laughs> yeah, what a, what a God, huh? It is finished. John 19, 28 to 30. I, I just want to talk about it is finished today really quickly. And then we're going to have communion together at the end. Yeah, so hopefully we'll get through this quickly. We'll see how we go. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you hold time <laughs> so that I can finish on time uh, so that we can serve you in time but seriously god that uh, today we would remember that that sacrifice it was horrific yet god in that the word wonderful comes to mind yet in that the word supernatural comes to mind within that the word savior comes to mind and father i thank you that you are our savior that today we remember that what you've restored our friendship our relationship our identity with you so god we pray that you would be with us this morning speak through your servant and uh, let us have a great time. Holy Spirit, do your work in Jesus' name. Amen. So John 19, verses 28 to 30, later knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he'd received the drink, Jesus says, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Everything's now complete. It's three o'clock. It's about three o'clock, you know, when this was happening. And Jesus calls for water because he can hardly speak and he gets enough strength so that he can call for water. And they give him a sponge on a spear filled, filled with, you know, a bitter, bitter drink. And he strains his head, he looks up to heaven and he actually says, it's finished. 
he actually says it's finished. And then he bows his head and it's done. There's a, a book called The Day Christ Died written by Jim Bishop. And I'll, I'm going to read a little part of it. The executioner laid the crossbeam behind Jesus and brought him to the ground quickly by grasping his arm and pulling him backwards. As soon as Jesus fell, the beam was fitted under the back of his neck. And on each side, soldiers quickly knelt on the inside of his elbows. The thorns pressed against his torn scalp. With his right hand, the executioner probed the wrist of Jesus to find a little hollow spot. When he found it, he took one of the square cut nails, raised the hammer over the nail head and brought it down with force. Two soldiers grabbed each side of the crossbeam and lifted. As they pulled, they dragged Jesus by the wrists. With every breath, he groaned. When the soldiers reached the upright, the four of them began to lift the crossbeam higher until the feet of Jesus were off the ground. The body must have writhed with pain. When the crossbeam was set firmly, the executioner knelt before the cross. The two soldiers hurried to help, and each one took hold of a leg at the calf. The ritual was to nail the right foot over the left, and this was probably the most difficult part of the work. If the feet were pulled downward and the nail close to the foot of the cross, the prisoner always died quickly. But over the years, the Romans learned to push the feet upward on the cross so that the condemned man could lean on the nails and stretch himself upward to breathe. Chuck Swindle, pastor author, wrote this. Excruciating pain accompanied every upward push for breath and every downward release from fatigue. Each movement cut deeper into bone and tendons and raw muscle. Fever inevitably set in, inflaming the wounds and creating an insatiable thirst. Waves of hallucinations drifted the victim in and out of consciousness. And in time, flies and other insects found their way to the open wounds. At this point, Jesus knew he had accomplished everything the Father had sent him to do. To fulfill one last scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it to, up to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Powerful pictures, aren't they? Like really, <laughs> really powerful pictures. I love Good Friday because of what Christ has done. I love Good Friday because of the... Uh, not exaggerated, but the extra focus we place on the sacrifice, because uh, I think that keeps us in good in good stead when we're walking with Him. You know, that's that sacrifice that sends men and women to the mission fields. It's that sacrifice that gets people to share their faith. It's that sacrifice that encourages people to pray for the healing of the sick. You know, it's that sacrifice. But at the time, I think that moment was filled with so much emotion. And I think even too much emotion for words to sink in for the early church. I, I, I actually think that it was later that the, as Christians began to read John's gospel and hear those words again, that it actually dawned on them how powerful those dying words of Jesus were when he said it is finished. You know, John wrote, and though in, in, in his gospel in Greek, the last words of Jesus is just one word in Greek. I've, I've been trying to... Practicing this word all week. What a killer. To tell us stay or to tell us die. Something like that, yeah? It's Greek. I'm Italian. I can't help it that they get stuff wrong. Anyway, it, it, it actually means it is finished. And for them, at that time, it was in every part of their language. 
Like everyone would use that word to telestite all the time for everything. So when a servant had completed a difficult job that his master had given him to do, he would say to his master to telestite, I've actually finished, I've overcome all the obstacles, I've done the very best that I can with my ability, it's finished. When the Jewish people would go to the temple to sacrifice, the high priest would examine their, their sacrifice to make sure it was perfect. And I know that he didn't speak Greek, but he would use a, a Hebrew equivalent to, to, to tell us, tongue-tied, your offering is accepted, it's perfect. Yeah? They, they used it in every part of life. If, if there was a merchant at a marketplace that made a sale and money was handed over, he would say to tell us, the deal is finished, it's complete, the price has been paid in full. Yeah, if, if an artist, I, I wish Grace was here, I knew she wasn't going to be here today, but if an artist had finished a painting or a sculpture, you know, they would actually stand back and say to Telestai, it is finished, it, it's done, there's nothing more that can be added to this, the painting, the sculpture is complete. You know, in those days, if you were a boy and you were reciting scripture to your father, if you were a girl, and this is, seems very sexist, but I'm talking about in the day, or a girl was baking bread to show it to her mother, they would say to their parents, to tell us, oh, it, it, it's done, I've done it, it's finished, yeah? And they would actually say, well done, my child, I'm very proud of you. That's how they would respond. And here Jesus says, to tell us, oh, he says, it is finished. They're not... As much as he said it, it is finished, those words don't capture an end. They're not an end. It's, he's not saying, this is the end of me. You know, he's, not, he's not saying that. As if there was nothing else to do but to give, give up his life to his enemies. His last words, they weren't a final surrender. He wasn't saying to the enemy, you've won and I'm done for. He wasn't saying that when he said, it is finished. Those words actually don't tell us that Jesus was dead now and that's all. There's so much more. He is finished when he says that. He is finished. And so everything that he stood for, every promise that he made is now complete. Yeah? It's now complete. So when he he was on that cross, servants, merchants, sons, daughters, artists, they all understood that Jesus was saying that his job of saving the world was now completed. I've completed it. I've done it. It's finished. I've crossed the T's, I've dotted the I's, you know. He'd paid the price in full. He'd cancelled the debt. His sacrifice was a perfect one. To tell, to tell us day, I'll get it by the end of today. It is finished. Everything's complete. You know, Jesus' journey started 30 years earlier, but here it is, the culmination of his ministry. And he cries out, It is finished. But what's finished when Jesus says it is finished? You know, what has he finished? What was his mission that's now finished? What did, what did he come to do? You know, in the scriptures, and I, I don't have them for the screen because there's just too many, his, his commission, his mission was to preach the gospel to the poor, Luke, yeah? It was to bring life, John 10. It was to destroy the devil's work, to bring fire upon the earth, to testify to the truth. But all of those seem to be part of the ultimate purpose you know not the one thing because the ultimate purpose i believe was to save us from an eternity without god that's what i believe you know what about these verses look the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world for the son of man came to seek and save what was lost what was lost our identity is his children yeah For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's in Timothy. 
How do you save a sinner? How do you actually save a sinner? Pay the wages, yeah. Well, you're paying the debt. But I have another theory that I may as well, you know, share. How do you save a sinner? You bring him back into right relationship with God. Yeah. Because I'll tell you how sin works. And I have been mulling this for the last few weeks now, having had a discussion with my daughter, and I've shared it with some people. Sin is what separates us from God. That's what I learned as a child, yeah. But I actually think sin is secondary. I actually think broken relationship is first. Because when you're out of relationship, that's when you're the most vulnerable to temptation. And when you're the most vulnerable to temptation, you fall into sin. Sin's pleasurable for a time, but it leads to death. You stay there long enough and you are completely disconnected from God forever wasn't sin that separated you it was the fact that your relationship was broken and that broken relationship generally speaking was choice over time yes sin you know but it's choice for you and i it's our choice if i choose to walk away from god and then i'm tempted and i fall into temptation and now i'm living a life of sin it wasn't sin that got me here it was the fact that i stopped following jesus praying spending time with him sitting at his feet because when i'm with him in relationship sin doesn't come close you saw what god did to sin going for relationship he knocks sin out see you later sin i don't know why sin's sitting down he should be knocked out but you know it's the relationship how do you save a sinner if you're asking me you bring him back into right relationship with god yeah and whether sin exists or doesn't exist in right relationship with God you now have the strength the power and the relationship the authority because of that relationship to say no to anything that'll separate you from God that's what I believe you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins Jesus knew what lay ahead of him he used two metaphors to drink this cup yeah that actually means to partake fully of an event yeah and then he to be baptized is to be fully immersed in that event so when you think about some of these scriptures can you drink the cup can you partake fully of the event yeah or can you drink the cup i drink or be baptized can you be fully immersed with the baptism that i'm i'm about to be baptized with can you be fully immersed in this it says in luke 12 50 but i have a baptism I am fully immersed and I'm going to undergo and how distressed I am because he knew what was coming. Yeah? He was fully immersed. He was in it. I, 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 love, I, I love the metaphors. I love this picture. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. In other words, Father, Father take this cup, this event that I'm partaking of, take it from me. Yeah? Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Shall I not partake fully in the event that my father has given me so when he says it is finished he's talking about the work that he that he had completed you know the cross in all its horror 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 but also in its redemptive power that would have hung so heavy on jesus's shoulders in those last days it just would have he struggled in the garden of gethsemane has anyone met anyone yet that's sweat blood I don't even know if you eat enough beetroot and you sweat whether it will change your colour. You know, like 
he sweat blood he was so we talked a few weeks ago so anxious not that it crippled him and stopped him but anxiety came against him yeah and now the cup had been drunk the baptism was completed and he says it's finished you know it's really amazing how that phrase captures and repeats one single idea fulfillment completion it's done you know it's a termination point it's it's the aim it's the purpose you know that his obligation had been completed the debt had been paid to telestate it is finished but you know what i love you know what we sometimes miss i grew up a catholic so if anyone here has a catholic background this is not criticism it is commentary okay i i cannot understand any longer how they could go to a good friday service and line up to kiss the feet of a statue for someone who did who's alive you know they, they would mourn and 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 wear black and they would be wailing and i understand the wailing when you understand the the intensity of the suffering that he went through but they're missing the point of what it was all about yeah because when you read matthew and mark that's just before jesus breathed his last breath yeah matthew in 27 50 mark 15 37 says he cried out again in a loud voice if you ever underline anything in your bible underline that he cried out again in a loud voice because john we read it john gives us the content of that loud cry it is finished so he didn't take he wasn't hanging on this cross and he didn't take that bit of vinegar and then go it is finished it's not how it was he 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 was on the cross he had the You see football teams, when they win a game, they're running up and down, they're yelling, slapping, patting each other on the backside because it's still okay. They're just not in normal life apparently. Yeah, like they do stuff like that. Jesus on the cross, he yelled out in a, cried out in a loud voice, it is finished. He wasn't even defeated on the cross because a defeated man just would have said, it is finished. That's what a defeated man would have done, yeah? Man, he wasn't defeated on the cross. How can we mourn like those who mourn who have no hope? Yeah, we can't. It is finished. It's a victory shout for anyone who loves superheroes. Has anyone yet watched the DC version of Justice League? It's only three hours and 52 minutes. It's awesome, isn't it? I loved it. So good. If you haven't spent that four hours of your life watching it, don't waste another minute. Just do it right but there's a particular part at the beginning and i i'm going to suggest that jack snyder and dc and warner brothers copied jesus yeah because there's a point right at the beginning where they go back to another movie and superman dies and in his death he yells out in pain ah! and then for the next five minutes in slow motion you see this ring go across the universe the shout and everywhere it goes, someone stops. Something changes because it's changing the cosmos because Superman, in all his strength and power, when he died and just let out that, that yell, the whole world, universe knew that he was dead. 
But when Jesus, they they copied Jesus. When he cried out in a loud voice and said, it is finished, there was a ring that came out that went across not just the earth, but across the universe. Every, Every living thing knew what that meant. Like it reverberated over and over and over again. As that yell passed over the top of the trees, they were like, yes, we're redeemed. You've got to understand that cry, the power that was in that cry. If I had a, a little snippet of that, that video, that, that movie, you, you'd understand what, what Jesus did when he cried out in a loud voice. It went across the globe and then kept going and then kept going. And everything it touched, every star in the sky, yeah, understood at that point, Jesus had completed the task that the Father had sent. Like that was a victory cry. He had accomplished everything that the Father had sent him to do. He was obedient even unto death. Now Philippians 2, 7 to 11, we know it well. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, I love it. Therefore, it's like, oh no, even unto death. And then they quickly write in, therefore, to give you hope so you can breathe again. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The ability to say it is finished to the Father's commission was not the beginning of some kind of glory road, but it was the end in a sense. It was the final culmination of an obedient life of humility and suffering that now brings in where we live. This dispensation, this era, the fact that we have a God that smashes past sin to come and grab us. You know, Max Licato wrote in one of his books, the history-long plan of redeeming man was finished. The message of God to man was finished. The works done by Jesus as a man on earth were finished. The task of selecting and training ambassadors for Jesus was finished. The job was finished. The song had been sung. The blood had been poured. The sacrifice had been made. The sting of death had been removed. It was over. That's why we call it Good Friday. Not enough of you have smiles on your face to understand how really cool this is, yeah? God did it all for us. He did all of this because he loved us. Doesn't it say in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But then you jump to verse 10. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son. Man, I don't even have to read the rest of that verse. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son. That's how much God loves us. Jesus died for us even though we didn't deserve it and his death has now made us friends with God. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. It doesn't matter what you're going through, what aches, what pains you've got. It doesn't matter what's happening in hospital, at families, grandparents, no parents. It doesn't matter if you've, you're, you're addicted to sugar lollies or if you're addicted to drugs. It really doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter if you've got bills that you can't pay because at the end of the day, his death made us friends with God. I can sit with that and actually be content and happy. And if I actually really, truly sit with that in that friendship, then anxiety and depression and those 
moments of frustration, though they may come, they will slowly subside because they can't sit in the presence of the Almighty God. What he's done by bringing us back to life is more than we can ever imagine. Jesus announced it is finished, clear and simple. He completed the task. The reason why he came as a human had been fulfilled. He came so that you and I can have forgiveness and salvation so we could have victory. He came to make sure that we would enter kingdom, his kingdom, and live forever and have eternal life, yeah? Why don't we... No, no, don't stand. Sit. Everyone, has everyone got a communion cup? Don't open it yet. I don't want to hear the paper, that, that tape. I don't want to hear that yet. Oh, so what does my son do? That's why I picked you for sin. No, come on. Like, he did what I told him not to do. Anyway, I'm having a joke. You know I love you, Nath, and you can bash me up later. I don't want you to get up. I don't want you to raise a hand. It's not an altar call. All I want you to do is you can keep your eyes open or you can close your eyes, but for a short while, I want you to think about what Jesus has actually done through his death on a cross, through the words it is finished. And visualize in your mind, if you will, if you can, the suffering saviour and think about the love that God has for you I've got a video for us to watch and as soon as it's done we're going to share in communion together is that okay thanks Vic this is how cool Good Friday is
Thanks, Vic. So why don't we take this communion in that truth? And maybe to yourselves, repeat the very cry that Jesus cried out. It is finished. Because what he did, he did for us. Amen. Let's share communion together. finished the sermon that is it is finished (laughs) have a good friday in jesus name i'll see you on easter sunday